And we've returned for episode three of Monstrology. My name is Will King, and I am one of your hosts. And I'm joined, uh, as I was for the past two episodes, by Madrin McCabe. Madrin, how are you doing today? I am excellent. Thank you for asking. Excellent. Well, good. Um, do you have any plants? I don't. I am terrible at, well, okay, I, I should correct myself. I have no house plants. Okay. I cannot keep a house plant alive to save my life. Mm -hmm. I do have a pretty decent garden in the front of my house. Um, oh, that's true. I can attest to that. Yes. Uh, but again, <laughs> with the caveat that I said to my mom, who knows a lot more about these things than I do, can you just help me plant very low maintenance plants that don't need a lot of attention and that I don't have to be constantly fussing with? And she was like, awesome, I'm on it. So <laughs> thanks to my mom, I have a very low maintenance garden that really only needs weeding like once every few weeks. Mm -hmm. And like when it's hot, I water it, but like, I don't fertilize. I don't do much in the way of pruning. It's very low maintenance. That's good. The, the plants are self-sufficient, you could say. Um, Pretty much, yeah. I, uh, I've got some apartment plants. I brought in my palm tree uh, this past week. I had to like soak it and depest it and all of that. But I brought it inside to uh, try to keep it alive. And uh, as I was doing this research uh, this week for our monster uh, of the episode, I started getting a little bit more wary about having plants in my house in a way that I have never thought about before. Uh, and the reason uh, for that is that this week's monster is man-eating trees. Okay, so I was able to find um, some specific history for man-eating trees, um, but Madrin, uh, feel free to share things about man-eating plants, man-eating, I don't know, grass, man-eating, anything that seems similar and dangerous and um, comes from the world of, uh, I don't know, biodegradable plants. Plants that eat people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, the, the biggest one and the most specific one that I can find for the man-eating tree is something called the man-eating tree of Madagascar. Um, so this was first reported in 1881 by a German explorer named Karl Leisch, and it was said to be a sacred and much feared plant um, that was used in sacrificial uh, rituals of the native Mkodo tribe. Um, so this was published by the South Australian Register and uh, it was like a printed, proven um, article about this kind of fearsome tree, which was described as um, having uh, a tree sprout with long, hairy, green tendrils and a set of tentacles that were constantly, vigorously in motion with subtle, sinuous, silent throbbing against the air. So not something that you would wanna see uh, and also something that looks kind of disgusting. 
uh, and kind of demonic, I think, really. Um, yeah, that sounds very Cthulhu-y. Yeah, it's right. It's like green tentacles. It has a kind the of tentacles, the constantly pulsating tentacles made me yeah. think of Cthulhu. And I think there's something, um, I was going to say inhuman, but like there's something unnatural, I guess is the, the better phrase of like pulsating or or like mm -hmm. vibrating. It, it feels um, not of this world. Um, one other thing about the man-eating tree of Madagascar is it, it had female sacrifices, which I suppose are like King Kong style sacrifices that this tribe would apparently uh, give to the tree probably in return for, I don't know, whatever they thought they would get for that, maybe just safety. Um, but after all of this, in 1955, it was debunked um, by a science uh, uh, writer named Willie Lay, who discovered that not only were the tribe and the tree made up, but so was the German explorer who supposedly found them. So the whole thing was a fabrication that was published. And then you could see the resurgence of articles being reinterpreted over the past, um, I guess it would be 130 years. Um, but you can watch this kind of, um, I don't know, history of the man-eating tree of Madagascar reappear. And it, we'll talk about kind of its appearances throughout culture soon. Um, but that was the most core one that I could find that was a man-eating tree. I've got some other trees and other um, plants that are man-eating in terms of uh, human eating. I think they're not specific to men, but I guess we'll find out later. Uh, Madrin, did you have any other trees that you want to talk about? Uh, well, I also was reading about the Yataveo Ooh, plant. Yep. Go for it. Yes. So, um, well, my understanding is that uh, it first appeared in a book in 1989 uh, from an author named James Buell. Uh, and he was saying that it was native to Africa and Central America, which seems mm -hmm. like a really broad area mm -hmm. for this plant to exist in. But hey. Well, I, I heard they were cousins. The, the, okay, the, the, okay. the main one was Central America, but they've got like a cousin plant in Africa. Okay, as you know, as one does. Yeah, we've all got uh, cousins so all over the world. It's it's named the Yataveo plant because it's, uh, that is a Spanish phrase that literally means now I see you. Mm -hmm. And so this plant was supposed to have made this hissing noise that kind of sounds like someone saying that which is how, where it got its name. And it too has these poisonous uh, spikes that come out, these long serpentine tendrils mm -hmm. uh, that sometimes dart very quickly as though it's trying to strike at someone or you know whoever happens to be nearby and is unfortunately part of its prey. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard that there's also an origin for this type of tree in uh, witch doctor magic, which... Oh. Uh, many uh, spooky monsters uh, have origin in. It wasn't specific, but I, I heard that maybe witch doctors were involved in either creating or uh, caring for this tree. Um, there's another type of vine that is not a tree, but is also um, uh, tied to Central America in uh, Nicaragua, and that's the vampire vine. So the earliest origin of this is 1891. Um, and it's a singular growth in one of the swamps of Nicaragua. And it's a bloodsucker, I guess, where it gets the name, uh, like a vampire. Um, but it's described as having a fine rope-like tissue of roots and fibers um, that have death-dealing powers. 
and they call it the devil's snare. Um, and there's all these stories about uh, the way that it would go around and kill people. And I find that interesting because I can find a lot of origin in pop culture, what we'll get to later, of uh, the devil's snare. And it feels like that phrase and that idea um, really lasted, even if we don't think of it as being from you know, 1891. Well, and what's interesting, again, about this vampire vine is that from what I've read, again, it was later proven that the man who had written the article about it completely made it up. <laughs> and it was a fabrication as well, too. So it's very interesting that there are all these people, men, <laughs> in the 1800s who were making up stories about people eating plants. And I just wonder where that compulsion comes from. Well, I have some ideas. The first, the first idea is that earlier than the man uh, eating tree of Madagascar, earlier than Yativio and earlier than the vampire vine, there's the actual uh, man eating tree, which um, we're gonna be lucky to be joined by later. So we'll find out where that actually came from. But the other thing <laughs> is that there's a bunch of plants uh, that seem to be killer uh, carnivorous plants. Now these are real plants, I don't think that they are capable of necessarily eating a human being, but a lot of them are fearsome and very objectively real. Um, so the first one that I can find of that is the pale pitcher plants. And these, uh, there's a couple different versions of them, but they essentially look like a pitcher. They're almost like, um, uh, like a tube, but it's got like a mouth or a flap on the top, like a leaf. And the bugs fly inside uh, because there's nectar that draws them and then the leaf is closed and they're trapped inside and they die and then the tube um, just starts slowly absorbing the matter and using it for uh, its protein, I guess, to, <laughs> to live off of. Um, the other one is uh, sundews and these are small perennial herbs who have these kind of red sticky tentacles that um, almost like uh, not spores, but just these kind of red things with little dots at the ends. And um, they're, they're sticky enough that they're like glue and the bugs uh, stick to them and then dissolve. And so the sundews just absorb them by being, uh, I guess, attractive enough for the insects to land on them. And again, that's how they get their nutrients. And the last one, which is very popular, is the Venus flytrap. And the Venus flytrap doesn't necessarily need bugs, um, but it does provide nutrients that aren't readily available in the soil. So it's, I think, more of a supplement. Some of their en energy comes from sort of a photosynthesis and some of it comes from the insects. Um, but those plants can live up to 20 years in the wild, which is a lot longer than I thought it would be. And they are just objectively scary looking. Like when you see them eat, a fly that's in there, it looks like a monster. So I could imagine that somebody would see, you know, one of these on a walk, you know, and just go, wow, that was scary. There must be bigger versions of that plant out here. And then your imagination just starts running wild with these ideas. Um, yeah, I can imagine it's a similar thing too. And I think it's partly because these accounts of these people eating plants came in the 18th century. And that was around the time that, um, a lot of scientific discoveries were being made and mm -hmm. a, a lot of research was being done worldwide. And it was around that time that Darwin had gone on his 
Absolutely. You know, still to this day, very famous epic adventure and right. recorded all of these different animals and plants that nobody had even been able to conceive of, let alone had seen before. And so, and I, I wonder if maybe that's where perhaps this uh, this impetus that these other people have had to make up these stories of man-eating mm. plants came from is that they just wanted to, they also wanted a, a fabulous story in the same way that Darwin did. And so they took those the seeds of the ideas of the things that really do exist and then completely blew them out of proportion and made them monstrous and exotic and otherworldly. Interesting too, because we think about, like if you're just discovering for the first time, you know, what a Komodo dragon is or other things that seem, you know, mythological or impossible, why would you not believe something like the vampire vine, right? Like there's things that can do way more damage when you think about like the animals of Africa or um, just like fish, like how insane they are when you get deep enough, what they look like or when they wash up on shore. There's so many incredible things that exist that if you're constantly being bombarded with these new animals, why not think that there uh, is truth when somebody tells you that something else exists? Um, right, like you've encountered something absolutely otherworldly, completely unique. Nobody has mm -hmm. ever seen anything like this before. So of course it would be possible that there would be other things that would be just as fantastical yeah. that are out there that just had yet to be discovered. Right? Like uh, like stick bugs, but if they were really, really big. <laughs> um, well, that's, that's the information I've got on the history of man-eating trees. It's a more modern mythology and it, it seems to be born from about the past 150 years. But I find it's interesting how it tracks, and I love that they're. <laughs> I've never spent so much time researching uh, flowers, you know, and the details of flowers that uh, can do insidious things. Uh, so I learned a lot from doing that this week. Imagine, do you have anything I, else you want to share about plants? Well, I had a Venus flytrap when I Did was you? a kid, oh. and because again, because of the the pop culture around them, or or this idea that we have about Venus flytraps, I was so worried. That there weren't any flies in my house oh, no. flytrap to eat. I was so concerned that my Venus flytrap was going to starve to death that after about a week, I was convinced it was dying and it, that it needed to eat flies. So, <laughs> um, did you feed I, it? I I didn't go so far as to feed it flies, but I did start trying to feed it ham. <laughs> oh. this, uh... um, this... So needless to say, that was not the thing. This is like very salty cured meat was not the thing that the Vita flytrap wanted. Mm -hmm. And ultimately that is probably what led to its untimely demise. This reminds me, this has nothing to do with um, man-eating plants, but that kind of like childish naivety. My brother, uh, when he was really young, had goldfish. And I think at one point he decided that the goldfish was uh, hungry and so he gave it orange juice and, and that was the end oh, of no. goldfish right because it's, you just got to wandered off and done that and my parents come back they're like what did you do um so i guess the the point of the matter is don't give your goldfish orange juice uh don't, don't give, give your, your venus flytraps cured ham yeah they don't want it i mean unless they're a really big venus flytrap and uh, we'll be able to talk about that after the break when we dig into some pop culture because I have just the thing.
Okay, so we're going to be digging into pop culture now. And the reason that I was talking about really big uh, Venus flytraps is that one thing I did as a piece of my research is I rewatched Little Shop of Horrors, uh, the musical um, that is like a pretty amazing cast, actually. Right. Um, it's pretty incredible. Um, Sidebar, I know this isn't really related to a giant Venus flytrap. Did you know that Frank Oz directed that? Oh, I think I did. I, well, only because I watched it recently. Um, I only but, recently knew that because I just happened to be reading an interview with Frank Oz and they like they were going on about his time with the Muppets. And then, of course, it segued into his post-Muppet career. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Frank Oz has actually had a huge career directing. Mm -hmm. But one of the biggest things, because he was buddies with Steve Martin, Mm -hmm. um was that he he directed little shop of horrors and i was like that's oh awesome. this all makes so much sense now like the, well, the that sense of humor works totally and it has this kind of meta quality too like at the end um the the plant like bursts through like audrey to burst through a screen so you could tell that it's been a, a show you know um yeah. and and just the I think it's actually one of the better adaptations uh, for film of a musical too. Like they did interesting things in the way that it was framed. And, and I think they didn't get too carried away with, um, you know, sometimes the way that it's shot, if there's too many close-ups of somebody's face, it just feels like you're just trying to avoid like the, the world at large. But like there's even a scene where two of them are uh, singing next to each other and they're separated by a street corner and they don't know the other one is there. And every, like, it's this beautiful kind of shot where you can see, um, the three kind of chorus singers through the window when uh, Seymour is dealing with Audrey later. Like just, it was well shot and conceptualized for a movie musical, which unfortunately is I think kind of rare really. Um, but I thought it was great. And obviously Audrey too is that kind of definition of a giant Venus flytrap. And I think falls under some of the tropes. I mean, this, the, the only thing that doesn't really fit like I don't even know if it matters too much, but they get them from uh, a Chinese flower shop, but it's outside of the Chinese flower shop. And it's something about, um, there's a, a lunar eclipse and the eclipse causes the plant to appear that he didn't think was there before. And so that makes me believe that it was kind of um, alien. And I've got some other films that have the same trope that the idea that, um, killer plants or like man-eating trees or these things uh, they don't exist of earth but they're visitors they're aliens from another place and they need some sort of um, resurgence on planet earth and that's what allows them to be kind of reimagined in this way that we see them as a plant like a plant but they are kind of an alien entity um, it's just the only one that I have where I think the plant also sings. Although I'm curious <laughs> to find out if our guest uh, is as good of a singer as Audrey II, but uh, we'll find out. Um, the other one that has overlap here in terms of uh, being kind of uh, man-eating trees from space is uh, Day of the Triffids, which is originally a book uh, by John Wyndham, but it's also a film and it's actually after my frustration on the last episode um where uh, technically it's called cry of the banshee and i said banshees last time but i don't regret it because i owe this movie nothing um i feel much better about the more recent film that i watched um this one's from i think it's 1962 
Uh, I don't have it here in my notes, but so I'm going to believe that that's true. And maybe I'll that issue, a correction. Right. That, I'll issue a correction yeah. for that next week if I'm wrong. Sure. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's 1962 and it holds up really well. Um, it, it, it's I think maybe because it's an adaptation from literature, but um, I'm just going to explain the plot generally a quick rundown of it. The premise is that there is this storm um, from space and all of these asteroids are coming towards the earth and all of the news channels are saying hey there's this once in a lifetime thing you should look at it overnight um, and so everybody in the world looks at this storm um, but the storm causes them to go blind and so they can't see and part of the what was arriving on the planet wasn't just asteroids being turned into dust it was these triffids these plant monsters and they start growing up from the earth and only a few people in the population still have sight like, that didn't see this storm. Like the protagonist of the film is a man who just had eye surgery and it's kind of like a noir where he wakes up and there's this whole opening sequence that, um, this is kind of a sidebar too, but if you've ever seen the film 28 Days Later, which is a zombie film, um, it, it opens with this incredible, like a, a guy gets out of a hospital and walks through uh, London and there's no one there. And it's totally lifted from this film. And I had no idea that it was like a reinterpretation through cinema. Like you see, you see that happen all the time where like 30 years later, somebody was really inspired and they reimagine it. But I'd always thought 28 days later was like, wow, so original. Where did they come up with this? And I was like, oh, it's, it's this movie that I'm watching right now that did it really well. And now I wonder if there's one before that. Um, but yeah, this, it's kind of like a noir where this guy wakes up and he can see because his eyes were covered for the night. Um, and there's this society of people taking care of each other. They're all blind, but they're getting picked off one by one. Um, and it even has kind of a tie-in to A Quiet Place that I won't spoil because that's kind of the movie. Um, but I, I just think that idea again of a plant coming from outer space and needing to be on the earth um, and, and appearing in a way <clears throat> that, uh, like they can survive, like they, they need us for a certain purpose, but not the purpose that we think, um, I think was really great. And there's just a bunch of um, imaginings of this where it seems like otherworldly, but I guess aliens is the easiest way to do that if you're trying to plop it into something that's kind of naturalist. Um, I highly recommend that movie. In fact, while I'm on this subject, uh, I'm going to be creating, if anybody is listening, is on Letterboxd, I'm going to start a list that will feature all of the films that we talk about on Monstrology and you can reference them and rate them and see if you hate them as much as I do or if you like them as much. Then uh, you can just find out if the film is actually from 1962 uh, or you can see if they've aged well or not. It's usually kind of a mixed bag. Um, okay, I have a bunch more. <laughs> anyway, you wanna jump in with Madrin? I've got a bunch of movies this week. No music, but a lot of movies. Well, I actually did not find that many pop culture references to specifically man-eating trees mm -hmm. but when I was doing my research into this I suddenly remembered an episode of the X-Files when ah, I was a cool. kid I was an avid X-Files fan and I remembered this episode where uh, a couple goes out hiking for the day and they come home and she's feeling kind of funny she feels kind of sick so they both lie down in bed together and then the camera pans away and it's actually their two skeletons that have been unearthed in the middle of a field. And of course, it's very weird. So our two protagonists, Mulder and Scully, who are FBI agents who investigate the paranormal, have been come called out. Why are these two bodies found in this field like this? So they bring the bodies back to the coroner 
and uh, Scully, who is our doctor, is starts to do an autopsy and she's examining them. Meanwhile, Mulder goes back to the field where the bodies were found. And it's actually very cleverly shot the way this is done. As he's driving up, you see him run in over a patch of mushrooms. Mm-hmm. You don't really think very much of it. So he very quickly finds the real couple down in a cave and they say they've been abducted by aliens and that the skeletons that the authorities have found are have been planted, they're fakes. Oh. And so he rescues them, goes back to his apartment. Scully arrives back at his apartment. He explains everything that happens and she just takes everything that he says at face value. But the great thing about the dynamic of the X-Files is that Scully was always the skeptic. She always challenged everything Mulder said. So when she just accepts this story without questioning it, that of course this couple had been abducted by aliens, Mulder then realizes, oh wait, this isn't real. And he comes to realize that he's actually still stuck in this cave and he's been Mm -hmm. hallucinating all the rest of the story. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Scully has done the autopsy and has found this yellowy goo all over the skeletons. And so Mm -hmm. goes out to the site to warn Mulder. She too steps on a patch of mushrooms and finds his dead body, finds Mulder's dead body. So they're both just, they're both just tripping balls at this point. In the right. And so again, like, and they go through the whole process of having a funeral for him. And then he of course bursts into the funeral and he's alive. Uh, and again, that's when she was like, huh, this must be this can't be right. And yeah, so you then can't they be both... dead over there and alive over exactly. there. <laughs> so then they both wake up in the cave, realize what has happened, and manage to escape. And then just at that last second twist, they go back to their boss's office and they're giving him a debrief about what's happened. And then Mulder starts to second guess that this is actually real. Mm-hmm. And Scully's like, of course it's real. We escaped. We we saved the day. It's fine. So to prove to her that they're still hallucinating, he shoots their boss square in the chest. <laughs> but instead of blood coming out, it's this yellowy, sticky uh, gum coming uh-huh. out. And so that's actually when they're really, truly saved in real, actually real life by their boss. Mm. because he has figured out through their reports what this stuff is. So it was interesting that X-Files, so much of X-Files was about alien abduction and real true paranormal stuff. Mm -hmm. So I found that episode was really interesting and it stuck with me for so long. This is like a 25 year old episode now at this Mm -hmm. point. And I, but I immediately remembered it because it was one of those rare one-off episodes of the X-Files where they actually used something that really could exist in real life because mm-hmm. we know that there are these plants that secrete this stuff, you know, this sticky stuff that lures their prey in and then slowly digests them. Mm-hmm. And this was on such a huge, large scale that it turned out that it was this plant that was secreting this sticky, oozy stuff that was making mm-hmm. people hallucinate. So I just, yeah, I, as we were looking at this this week I I remembered that it's also a great trope to get into like rebuilding the world if you've established like a sandbox of like this is the reality of the x-files like as soon as they're hallucinating you could do whatever you want and play with different stuff and and it's a clever way to do it where instead of like it was all a dream and they woke up like it, it it's within the subject matter they're working with that's uh, and, and it's actually that's very interesting that you said that whole it's, it's all a dream thing because when I, I so when I remembered this episode I went to the Wikipedia page for it and they were saying about how they wanted this to be a much more straight and realistic version um, of 
different perspectives, like two other people's mm-hmm. perspectives of a story and that they specifically did not want it to be one of those Dallas, like, mm-hmm. whoa, the whole thing was a dream and none mm-hmm. of this counts. They very, mm-hmm. they worked specifically and like even got in a script doctor and that sort of thing to, cool. to really treat these things, to make it seem as realistic as possible. Go X-Files. Yeah. Speaking of X-Things, uh, there's a movie and a book uh, called Annihilation. The book is by uh, Jeff Vandermeer and the film is by Alex Garland. Um, and in that movie, there's an area called Area X, um, which I believe is also another kind of alien area on Earth. Um, I'm not sure what causes it. It's been a little while since I've seen it, but it's this mutation. And whenever somebody goes into the mutation, uh, they, they just don't come back. And they start sending these team of scientists in. And you can see that the, the animals are mutating, the plants are mutating, everything inside Area X is becoming less and less um, what it should be. And they're trying to figure out like what's at the center of this thing. Natalie Portman is in it and uh, Oscar Isaac is in it. It's really a great film. Oh, um, I've never heard of this movie. I love those actors. It came out, uh, ooh, I don't know, four or five years ago, I want to say. Um, it was a bit of an indie. It's the same director that did a film called Ex Machina. Um, I would highly recommend it. Uh, but I just think that idea too of this isn't, necessarily uh, man-eating trees, but just like the idea that the trees are mutating and that there's a deadliness to it. And it causes, like they're, they're just by stepping into that area, it changes their own genetics. Like they can find themselves, like people are going crazy or they think that they're mutating and there's this kind of, you're losing yourself to being a part of this thing. So it just reminds me a little bit of that episode of the X-Files. Um, <laughs> if we're trying to be super on the nose, uh, there's a film called, I think, The the Woman Eater, 1958. <laughs> it's a British horror film that's based on the legend of um, the man-eating tree of Madagascar, and sacrificing women to a carnivorous tree. And it's acquired by a mad scientist who must keep it fed while trying to find out its secrets. And it just, it just spirals from there. Um, uh, it sounds rather like Little Shop of Horrors too. Yeah. Right? Like it has a yeah. keeper that has to keep it fed to keep it happy and keep it mm-hmm. from killing people. But a, little, a bit less jovial and uh, less musical. I no, guess, no doo-wop said. singers in this one? No, no. But <laughs> uh, if we're looking for family-friendly things, I have the ultimate family-friendly uh, carnivorous plant, which is from Ice Age 3, Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Uh, there's a sequence where there is a plant that is big enough to eat both a mammoth and a Similodon, and the, the two of them are inside it. And there's a third character, I think maybe exclusively to that um, film, uh, which is called Buck. And he's at the bottom trying to like cut wires. I found this scene and watched the scene where it's like red wire or blue wire, but it's a plant. Like, I think they're just playing with kind of uh, tropes, but it's basically gonna devour the two of them until they cut the inner tube and it spits them out. Uh, but it's like a giant, I guess they're not man, but mammoth eating a plant. Um, now, I have not seen these movies, but isn't Ice Age a spinoff of the Madagascar movies? Oh, I don't think so. I thought Ice no? Age was, be- I think Ice Age is before that. I just remember Ray Romano is in it. And I think he's, oh, the, big, okay. he's the big mammoth. Um, I, I didn't see the third one. I think I've seen the first one, maybe the second one. Um, Anyway, there's a big uh, plants for your family-friendly man-eating plant experience. 
uh, Ice Age. Well, and then as far as the family friendly ones as well, there's, I don't know, I don't think it eats people, but it certainly does attack people. There's the Whomping Willow from Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. It's on my list. Go for it. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I mean. (laughs) It's the Whomping Willow from Harry Potter. The name kind of says it all, right? In the second book, Harry and Ron crash their flying car into this big tree that uh, gets very angry with them for having crashed into it. And it immediately starts attacking them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it actually shows up a couple of times in the books because it also contains a secret entrance to, um, oh, what's the name of the town nearby? Hogsmeade. Yeah. It, it contains a secret entrance to Hogsmeade. Which, and in, in, into that house that they, uh, I'm not sure if that's specific to the films. I've read all the books, but more recently seen the films where they uh, meet with Sirius Black, isn't it? Like there's yes. a sequence. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why I say like that. Yes. Yeah, so it has the secret entrance to the Shrieking Shack, mm-hmm. which is in Hogsmeade. And that's how uh, Lupin used to sneak into town to transform into a werewolf away mm, from right, right, the rest right. of the school. Um, the other thing related to Harry Potter that's very specifically tied to the history of man-eating trees is that um, they have devil snare in the very first one. In the Philosopher's Stone, they fall into devil snare, and it, they call it devil snare, which comes from the same origin um, that we talked about earlier, the, the vampire vine, and they have to get out of it. It's, it's one of the trials, I think, um, for the Philosopher's Stone in the first um, oh. book. And I just thought it was specific because it's clearly the same vocabulary and she must be playing with reinterpreting these tropes. I mean, it's not going to be the first time. There's lots of, um, you know, with the thing with Harry Potter and X-Files and even like, you know, Pokemon or a bunch of this stuff is they're, they're reinterpreting mythology from so many um, realms um, and they're doing that research, which I think is great. Um, there's also, if we're looking for more family-friendly uh, stuff, uh, there's a carnivorous plant in Jumanji. I don't think it's a tree, but it is trying to eat a small child, um, which I remember is pretty advanced for a movie that's supposed to be aimed for children. I think the whole thing is that it's kind of a horror film for kids. Um, but they, I think when they're in that giant house and it's like coming out and there's the forest around, there's a plant that almost grabs the kid and eats That's him. That's in the, the first one with Robin Williams and Kirsten yeah, yeah. Dunst, right? Yeah, the, oh, okay, the, okay. the real Jumanji. I'm not talking okay. about- uh, You know what? though i recently watched the ones with the rock in them both of them and they're actually really cute i think okay this is by i think that the new films are really great ensemble and the ensemble is really good and jack black is very funny and watching them interpret the characters is great but in terms of the actual film the first one's a way better film because it's doing something i think distinct in the sense that it was a horror movie for kids that nobody had done that before and i feel like it's a different uh thing Whereas the new films feel like I've seen the trope of kids get sucked into a video game so many times that it didn't have the same kind of uh, distinct format. So that's my two senses. I, I would I, agree with that assessment. Yes. Yeah. If it was not for the particular ensemble that they had put together to mm-hmm. make those movies, uh, I, you're right. I don't think it would be. And that's actually in thinking about that. That's probably why I didn't like the second one as much as I did the first one, because the premise of the second one, they end up splitting the group in half mm-hmm. and they, they bring in more characters like Aquafina's in it. And of course, oh, she's yeah. always funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the, the ensemble is really good. The actors are yeah. good and they, they carry the premise. That's just not quite as interesting as, and distinct as the first one. Um, 
I think Magellan, you'll appreciate this as well. I, I don't know why, but I just think you will. That in um, the Adams family, Morticia owns a plant that's called an African strangler named Cleopatra, uh, which appears to be a like baby man-eating plant. Um, and she's in one episode, apparently she says it's only three years old. And then another one, she's had it. She says she's had it since uh, before she married Gomez, but whatever the origin, it's like this baby man-eating plant. And in the cartoon version of the series, uh, she owns full-grown versions of this monster. Um, so I, I feel like we're tying a, a, as well into this kind of origin of um, African man-eating mythological trees. Um, and it seems like it pops up in the Adams family, which seems suitable. Um, I do love me some Adams family. Gomez and Morticia are goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true passion. And I dressed acceptance. up as Morticia once for Halloween when I was a kid. You know? Oh, you should do that with Ben. I think that would be Madrid's husband, Ben. I think you guys would uh, do that. Oh, well. he'd love to be Gomez. Yeah. Okay, very good. I'm just saying. Okay, we it need to like... stop being in lockdown so we can have a raging <laughs> Halloween party again. And I think that would be, be real Morticia good. And Gomez. Um, there's also just a couple of quick classics here. Uh, Groot, although he does not eat men, is very clearly a popular talking dangerous killer tree. Definitely um, is violent when called to be. Oh yeah. Um, there is an episode of Disenchantments, which is uh, Mac Roning's show. Love that show. So in season two, there's an episode, it's vines. So it's more like the vampire vine than um, uh, the man-eating tree but there's an episode uh, called Our Bodies Are Elves, where Elfo and Bean are on a ship that gets taken over by killer vines and in and, and an odd um, fit of competence from Elfo, he just like kills it away and they, they get away from this man-eating vine. Um, Elfo, love Elfo. Yeah, but, Elfo. yeah, and Elfo gets them to safety. Um, there is two Pokemon that are very clearly uh, inspired by um, man-eating plants called Victory Bell, which looks almost exactly like uh, a pale pitcher plant, which are the real uh, plants that exist that lure in the bugs and fold them over at the leaf. Um, and another one uh, called Carnivine, which is just a bit more abstract, but it's all supposed to be a kind of killer plant. Um, and the last and possibly most accurate and maybe well, maybe not most, I think most famous um, instance of uh, man-eating plants in literature and in films is uh, The Lord of the Rings. Um, and there is, uh, um, they're called uh, Whoorns, and that's um, trees that wake up and become more Entish. In the films, they're just re referred to as Ents, but in the books, uh, they're not strictly re referred to as Ents, which I thought was interesting there. Um, it's spelled H-U-O-R-N-S, but I think it's pronounced Huorns. Um, and there's a whole sequence where like the Uruk army, army goes into the woods and never comes out again. And it's implied that the Ents uh, or the Huorns or however they're pronounced has basically just said, now we're going to devour this whole army of orcs and you just, we got it. We see them later fighting and... Um, you know, they, they um, almost uh, absorb Mary and Pippin, like when they're doing that research earlier. But I just, I think that they are very specifically man-eating trees. 
and pop culture, and they appear, I think, more in, in more detail throughout the books. I mean, it could be argued that the, the section about ends is maybe a little bit too long <laughs> in the books. Um, I remember reading, uh, I, I think it'd be in Two Towers and being like, what is, why is this part so, like, I don't need a hundred pages of lore about how long they've been here. Uh, I mean, now I do, but at the time I didn't. Uh, so, um, Oh, that's anyway. very interesting to know because admittedly, Lord of the Rings is one of my one of the only nerdy blind spots I have. I've seen mm. the movies, but I've only mm. ever seen the movies once each, mm -hmm. and I have not read the books. So I did remember the ends from the Lord of the Rings movies. Mm -hmm. But of course, I was like, oh, we're talking about man eating trees in the in Lord of the Rings, or at least the movies. They're so friendly and nice and you know they they rescue Mary and Pippin and they come to everyone's aid and they're so helpful yeah no <laughs> so I didn't even think to look further into it when we were talking about they this. definitely they definitely almost eat Mary and Pippin um oh. and there's a character old man Willow uh which I don't even know if they describe whether he is uh, uh a a or not but I think that he gets interpreted into that end character in the films that carries them um, yeah you know the very wise shoulders. old helpful and i think in the films it's very they very quickly decide whether they like mary or pippin like it's implied like oh what's that and then you cut back and they're good guys but i think in the books it's more like oh we we might uh eat these guys um yeah so that's Lord of the Rings. Uh, he was on it. Uh, and <laughs> Tolkien knew what he was talking about. Definitely think is going to be uh, popping back up uh, throughout the podcast. Oh, so sure. that's all the pop culture I've got for this week, Madrin. Anything else you want to uh, bring in before uh, we get back to our guest? Well, I do have a video game reference. It's not... Again, it's not specifically man-eating tree, but in the Elder Scrolls games, um, specifically Elder Scrolls Online, which is, of course, mm -hmm. I obsessively play it all the time. You'll be hearing about this a lot. Mm -hmm. um, there are plants called stranglers, Ooh. and they're generally found in an area called Valenwood, which is... Um, the land of the wood elves, and the wood elves have a, have a deep respect for the the world around them and to the point where they refuse to eat any kind of plant matter they only eat mm. uh, animal matter mm -hmm. so in Valenwood it's all very lush densely forested deep lakes very beautiful area uh, so these strangler plants are actually very beautiful they're quite tall uh, they're as tall as I am in the game I'm a wood elf so I'm like four feet tall mm -hmm. uh, and very deep viney uh stamen like what do you mm -hmm. call it like the vine that they're on yeah and this very beautiful bulb shaped flower at the top that's often like a deep pinky color or a deep red color and it looks very pretty and that's the whole idea is to lure it towards you because then as you get close enough to it and it attacks that beautiful bulb opens up into this big gaping mouth thing it looks ah. almost like um what are those things from uh, stranger things oh the demigorgons yeah it like the way its mouth opens is almost like a demigorgon mm -hmm. and it has the ability to um spit out this vine that so if you try to run away it spits out a vine that will grab you and yank you back and then mm -hmm. it drains your blood so mm -hmm. you actually can watch your health bar go down oh no <laughs> and then there's this very cool animation of it like draining the essence out of you 
Cool. So it's it very much is like the Elder Scrolls version of what Audrey too would do to yeah, you yeah. If, if you got close. Like it sucks all the life force out of you. I think there is a, um, a vampire vine in final one of the Final Fantasies that's more recent, like maybe fourteen. But I don't have that game, so I can't say exactly what it looks like. But I saw that it popped up in Final Fantasy, which there's like 16 of them so i guess they've really uh gone through the monster lexicon um sweet well when we get back we're going to be taking a slight break but when we get back we are going to be meeting with neville and neville is a man-eating tree uh and i'm very excited that we were uh, able to get him set up uh i asked our interns to be very careful <laughs> uh very careful when they set up this guest uh the name itself seems to be a dangerous mission, um, but they were very interested and very curious. Uh, they wanted to take a selfie with the man-eating tree. I thought maybe that was a little bit dangerous, but I said, do what you want. It's a volunteer job, so we'll see how that went. Uh, and when we're I back- I did advise them to bring snacks just in case so that they could offer the snacks instead were, of themselves. Were, were they meat snacks or, or veggie snacks? I did suggest perhaps jerky might be something okay. to, to consider. Well, I don't know. We'll see if they took my advice. We'll see. When we get back, uh, we'll figure out how our intern is doing and we'll be joined by Neville, the man-eating tree. All right, so we are now being joined uh, by Neville. Neville, thank you so much uh, for meeting with us. I have uh, lots of questions for, with, uh, from, uh, for you. <laughs> and um, the first question I have is, um, is the intern there? Oh, uh, yeah. Right, yeah. He's here. Yeah, it's not, it's not a problem at all, yeah. Okay. And uh, he's in one piece? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, I, I eat different kinds of... Got different kinds of people these days. Yeah. He's, uh, oh, okay. He, as long as he's not a problem, he'll probably, uh, he'll probably be fine, yeah. Oh, okay, so you've okay. got some sort of code about who you eat and who you don't. Yeah, um, it's kind of based on my employer, actually. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, who do you work for? Oh uh, yeah. Oh uh, well, if since you're asking, I'm working at down at a resort in uh, Cuba. Cuba. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Do, do you get many questions about what you're doing down in Cuba? Oh uh, yeah. Well, all the, yeah, all the time. But yeah, I think. Uh, I think my boss's cover story is something like uh, the, oh, he's just one of them elephant folk, you know, with those uh, humans with the elephant uh, thing. I see. So, yeah. so they say that you have some sort of physical deformity and that's why you look like a giant tree. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's I, not It's not quite appropriate as uh, today's society goes. But it's what but, they say. Yeah. So uh, what what do you do at this resort in Cuba? What is what is your job specifically? Well, I never meant to come here, but I'm a bartender. Since oh, okay. oh, a bartender. Okay. Yeah. Do you do tricks? Do you know like trick bartending? You could flip the bottles and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I've been at it for some time, and uh, yeah, so it's a it's quite a fun hobby, uh, a job you might say. But uh, yeah, a lot of flipping, a little flame stuff. I'm always a bit more careful with that, you know, being a tree. Do you make your own simple syrup from yourself? From our sap, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. very distinct. That's a drink that only you can make, I imagine. Does it taste good? I mean, 
Yeah, I think so. But to be honest, I don't drink the drinks I make. I just serve them to people. They usually had lots of drinks by the time they come over to me. So as long as it looks cool, they're usually happy. And does this sap, let's say it's the equivalent of human sweat, because I don't, or, or maybe your blood. Do you have blood or do you have sap or or are they separate? I, I want to get into the details of your bodily fluids, I guess is what I'm asking. Well, hi, gross. Because we need to know. I Do mean, we? this is our job. And I take it very seriously, Matron. Yeah, no, I'm just, uh, I just uh, convert blood to sap, really. Um, I see. So, yeah, I, I, I'd say the sap's like my blood. Yeah. Yeah. And does it have any properties when consumed by humans other than um, sweetness or? Um, I've been told not that I'm a pine tree, but I've told like people recognize like a tree, sort of a piney taste okay. to it. Kinda yeah, like, kind of like a gin and tonic. Yeah, oh, I love yeah. gin and tonic. Well, yeah. maybe you maybe you'd love this drink. Do you have a name for the drink that you you create with your own simple syrup, or is this um, kind of like a catch-all goes in everything? Oh uh, yeah, it's kind of like my version of bitters because my sap's a little, a uh, little, yeah, darker, rougher. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'd say my favorite drinks. I like to make those like, um, those like uh, uh, smoky ones. Mm. Yeah, but so you, those... you don't you don't use real smoke, do you? No, it's like a reaction thing. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're in Cuba now. Uh, but where were you uh, grown? Where were you first uh, sprouted into? The oh, yeah. Thanks for asking. That's actually what I was, I was hoping we'd get to that point. Yeah. Um, I'm from England. Uh, yeah. Oh. I, was, I was trying, uh, me and my wife tried to go to North America once, um, once upon a time, uh, once uh, during the war. Yeah. Okay. Which war? Oh, you know, the great one. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it, it, with our guests, some of them have been around for thousands of years. Some of them have uh, recently um, poofed into existence. So um, it's good to keep track of approximately yeah. how old they, they are. Do, do you have rings uh, to show your age or do you just continue to grow out? Well, I'm not going to cut into myself, if that's what well, you're that's, asking. I'm that's not like, no, that's that what's on the show? Is that the sort of thing we do on the show? No, just, no, no. Just... We, um, you know, there's another group of scientists that is very much uh, hunt, kill, and study monsters. We we go for a more investigative journalism approach. Uh, right. I find it's, it's safer for the monsters and it establishes a better trust uh, so we can get to some real answers. Okay, um, good. I'm giving that. Well, and I mean, if, if word got out that we were into hunting monsters, then I think this would be a rather short-lived show, right? People, other monsters not. would not want to come and talk to us. So this, I mean, definitely we, we, we're just here to have a friendly chat. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. I was giving your intern a bit of a side eye for a minute there, so I might well, have to... In, defend myself. In fairness, they, they may have come a little bit armed because they were a little bit worried about uh, the, the your your name. Not your name, Neville. Neville's a very nice name. Uh, but when we told them, we need you to interview this man-eating tree, they said, is this tree going to eat us? And I had to say respectfully, I don't know. 
Uh, and so they may have well, thought anything. It's with. not part of the plan, but you better not bring any of that stuff out. I'll be quite upset. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you go next door. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, it's probably better that we, uh, yeah, let them leave the building. We don't want you to get too agitated with them. We appreciate that they could uh, set up this audio equipment for you. Um, yeah. So how how old are you? You you were sprouted. Did you tell us you you're from England? Yeah. Where whereabouts uh, are you? Uh, downtown? Uh, was it a uh, an old downtown? Like, what you think England's one town? Do you? Well, I just want to know: Are you were you uh, created in an urban metropolis in some sort of scientific you know laboratory? Yeah. Uh, well, yes. I, I, I moved around a bit, Australia. Yeah, well, um, rent's we, pretty expensive there, so right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was probably I was closer to London when I was uh, when I was just a wee sapling, but uh, then uh, when I started being able to grow and and move around, I, I moved a bit more north. Uh, there's mm. some forests up there, and uh, yeah, that's where I met my wife. Is your is your wife also uh, a man eating tree? Well. Well, uh, well, it's uh, funny you should ask. Um, yeah, I've uh, I've lost my wife. Oh, oh I'm, I'm, I'm so yeah. sorry, then, Neville. And uh, she, well, f- for the record, yes, she we we do consume uh, humans uh, from time to time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I haven't seen her in quite some time. Yeah. Well, s- sorry, you said you lost your wife. I think. Will and I initially thought that that meant that she had passed away, but you're saying you haven't seen her in quite some time. Do you mean that you actually physically lost your wife and you just don't know where she is? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh. That's exactly what I mean. Yeah, well, I hope she's not. I mean, dead. that is. We, that, we tend, sorry, do you want to talk? Well, I was just saying that's tragic, Neville, but I have to say it's not as tragic as thinking that they've uh, passed and died. Um, I hope that you can find them, but maybe that's the next chapter is you can track them down. Well, obviously, you've never lost someone you've been deeply in love with. Well, not, just... not physically. Uh, but it's it's hard, you know. Yes. Uh, uh, we yeah. were tr- we were trying to come, we were trying to come to North America. We heard uh might find a bit of a bit of an easier time getting a job over here uh, during the war and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, we tried to come across the uh, the ocean there. Forgot about the currents. Yeah, oh. got carried away. We were holding on to each other. Oh but, no! Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So that's actually one of the reasons I came on the podcast, just in case. Get the word out. If uh, she landed in, you know, uh, northern Africa or something, carried by uh, one of the other currents. I got picked up by this north equatorial current. Oh, bother. Mm. Almost got North America, but here we are. Not quite. So, yeah. Neville, does, does that mean that you swim? You were trying to swim across the Atlantic? No, no. Well, kind of. Um, like, you know, we're we're like big logs, aren't we? You float. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, that probably helps the uh, the energy. I mean, you don't have to paddle the whole way. Do, does your 
does your body take any sort of damage from a, a um, trip that long in water? Do you get a bit waterlogged? Did you get some chunks taken out of you or any uh, scars from the trip? Yeah, it was a long, it was a long time. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I missed, missed chunks of myself, but uh, other than, you know, part of my soul, which was with my wife, but mm-hmm. um I did get a little waterlogged. I was uh, I was sitting on the beach for a long time here in Cuba, drying off. Did you get a bit of a, a burn? Did you get too much sun? And, and logistically, I mean, your face is on the part of your body that's facing us. I assume you only have one face. When you were uh, traveling, did you go face down, face up? Did you alternate, you know, to try to balance it out? Um. Well... Uh, to answer your first question, uh, we don't have to worry about the sun the same way mm. uh, you lesser beings might have to with the su- with sun beaming down on you. Uh, we quite sure. like that. Um, and in terms of the face, uh, it's a bit hard to roll over. But if I'm having a hard time, like breathing air through my mouth, I usually just. Uh, just use the leaves really to get oh. me up. Yeah. Get me energy that way. So you do still breathe in air, but it's, you know, you could absorb it through, through all sorts of different ways. Exactly. A lot of sense. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I guess we know that you are pretty mobile. You can in fact walk um, mm. right now. I can't see your whole body in the frame, but uh, yeah. Oh, no. Okay. So you're backing up. Okay. So I'm getting a better sense now of, of this whole kind of picture. You, you're pretty big. Um, at, at what point did you get to be so mobile that you could travel from continent to continent or even just from, from city to city? It, it feels like you, you got real independent. And I know a lot of plants are kind of, you know, potted um, for quite some time. Yeah, prison. Yeah. yeah. Never, well, had to, never had to deal with that. Um, yeah, I'd say uh, most uh, most of us trees, now I don't want to say all because there's a grand variety across the mm-hmm. world. Uh, most of us uh, uh, human gobblers, uh, we, uh, we're usually around 50 years old, start to be able to like pull up our roots. 50? Mate. Yeah. So, so, wow. So that's, that's quite a lot of time in one place. Yeah, well, you need a lot of rings to you. It's like it, you know, it's like gaining muscle for for you yeah. folk. Yeah, yeah, sure. You have to be big enough, sturdy enough to to sustain all of that movement, right? Yeah, maybe by the time I'm fifty, I can uh, put on some of that muscle that we we're discussing. At at the moment, I don't have, I think, enough rings um, to travel as as far as as you do. But maybe when I'm fifty, I can do some um, cross continent uh, swimming. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, I think it works different. We just have to live. You just have you have to like move stuff. Yeah. Right now you're looking pretty gamey. Yeah. Yeah. Not well. You know what? I I I I'm not as appealing that way uh, towards some of the monsters that I interview. Um, mm. I think the bonier I am, the safer I am for now. So I'm just gonna keep this physique for a little while, and then maybe I'll try to buff up uh, in my later years. Um, that actually that I mean, I that kind of segues into a question that I've just been thinking about, uh, Neville. You are a, a man eating tree. 
are, do you, is that exclusively your diet? Do you only eat people or do you eat other things? And, and then I also just kind of wonder, I mean, you're living currently in Cuba, which is mm. not a huge country and it is a, an island. So there's going to be a limited resource of people. I just, I wonder how it is that you manage to eat without drawing a lot of attention to yourself, drawing a lot of ire from say local authorities. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So first off, um, your question about what we, yeah, it's not just man we eat. I don't, I don't got no prejudice. Are we a, are we a woman, a lady? Uh, no problem with that. Um, uh, there was a time when I was stuck in the current. Uh, I had to go a bit pescatarian. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Not, does, not does ideal. Age, does age matter to you? Like, are you going to eat an older person or a younger pe people? You know, we try not to encourage our guests to eat children generally, but just curious. Yeah. I, I, I mean, just talking for myself, I don't know about the rest of the trees out there, but I, I don't experience any ages of ageism towards my, my meats. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just usually, well, it, when I was younger, it used to be just whatever, whatever could get my hands on. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. A bit different these days, which brings me to, I believe, measuring your second question there. Is it Madrid? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, yeah. Um, in Cuba here, I, I've got uh, I've got this good job, bartending job, see, um, and uh, that's how they pay me is uh, in in meats. Oh. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's working out all right. And usually it's it's with those tourists uh, that come on down who uh, who. Yeah, we don't really need to see them move or 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 keep on being. Uh, they uh, they've pissed off someone here some way. I don't ask questions. I just um, told where which room which key card to use uh, to get me food. So they maybe are making certain types of people disappear. Uh, that they've selected for you and, and you're uh, obliging happily for your free meal. Exactly. And I wouldn't say it's free. I work quite hard. Thank you very much. Okay. Fair yeah, enough. Fair yeah. enough. Fair yeah. enough. Now, um, we've addressed that the sun doesn't bother you, but do you need to, to root yourself back into the earth from time to time to suck up some nutrients or, or, or do you have a, a house? What is your preferred locale uh, or what do you need to get by day to day? Oh, so, yeah, um, I, I guess I haven't really thought about it. It's just the way I live. See, uh, I guess when I'm not working, uh, I'm usually, yeah, I just usually stick my roots in beside the bar. And, uh, I, yeah, I suck up whatever I need from the ground, if there's anything good, uh, if there's any, like, uh, uh, refuge that any of the, the patrons here at the hotel ever uh, spit back up again. Uh, they usually spit up right right on my feet, which I don't mind, to be honest. It's kind of nice, actually. Do they do they compost for you? Do they have a little compost area for some good stuff to absorb? 
Yeah, yeah. There's a good. There's a composting program. Uh, I, I'm actually one of the heads of it. Yeah, this. I would imagine that that having a good green bin. I, maybe they don't call it green bin. That's where they call it where I am uh, ah. in Canada. Um, but uh, you know, having a good compost program could really improve uh, your your quality of living. I think. Yeah, it's been a great program. A lot of a uh, lot of uh, uptake with the guests here these days. Uh, really, I, I've been watching that news, and I think I've got to thank. Uh, Greta Thunberg for it because mm. before that, yeah, there wasn't much of a interest in uh, in composting in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's all about her her environmental activism. She wants to save all of the environment, really. And I, you know, the trees trees like you would be included in that. Yeah. Do you ever um, get frustrated with humans for that reason? All the pollution does it drive you crazy? Um, do Do you try to eat people who pollute too much? Uh, I'd say I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think I like pay attention to that so much. I'm not mm-hmm. quite in like uh, a city center where I, I'm feeling it, uh, terribly. Uh, and maybe that's just, uh, you know, I'm taking a bit of the, uh, I don't know, communists uh, side of things but mm. i feel uh, yeah i feel like we're all uh, we're all in this together uh, mm. uh but also <laughs> uh, i'm not i'm not downtown you know mm-hmm. yeah fair enough that's not that's not quite communism is it i don't know so you you're in these back rooms mm-hmm. you're you're eating some people Generally, uh, let's say most of the time it goes off without a hitch, right? You, they set you up with your meal, you eat your meal, you leave. Have you ever had a sticky situation with uh, bystanders or um, your cover story didn't quite work out where, you know, they're like, I don't think that's a physical deformity. I think that's a giant man-eating tree and you had to kind of work your way out of it. Uh, is it have you any close shaves there? Um, no, not, not many. Uh, there have been some times where like a loved one of the person that I am in indulging in, um, mm. has, uh, has raised a, a bit of a, a bit of an alarm, but, uh, we have, uh, a, a, a different, uh, different group of people to look after those ones. Uh, they usually take them back, give them either they give them money or or some other kind of deal. Um, because usually these people are pretty despicable. We don't mm. really need to talk about what they're doing. Or and if they decide not to go for the money, I mean, I can always go for seconds. You know, the more that you say that we don't need to know what these people were doing. I'll be honest that the more I want to know what these people were doing that you're I think, eating. I think perhaps in your best interest, really, you should maybe not ask too many detailed questions. Imagine you may just, find yourself on the edible list. You might I'm be go- on the menu. I will die with my integrity intact. I got to know. I just, I got to know. Well, some of them, some of these people, legitimate bad people like, uh, like uh, drug lords and that sort of thing. We get a lot of that in this part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's not great. And it brings a lot of attention to the area. Usually people look into them, but um, 
as I say, really into um, seconds. Uh, so I'd usually just look after those people myself. Otherwise, uh, have you ever have you ever seen? I'm a big I'm a big HBO fan. You watch mm-hmm. HBO? Oh yeah, I watch the HBO. Yeah. Yeah. There's this there's this new mini series, this recent mini series, White Lotus. Oh, I haven't seen White Lotus. Yeah. I'm sorry, Neville. Some... Uh, tell us a little bit about it and, and how that relates. Well, oh, I could. It was like trying to take a, a slice of my life, really. Some of the people I had to deal with at this friggin', uh, this friggin' hotel. Uh, they come in here all rich and whatever, and I think they own the place and they entitled to so much stuff and they piss off people. And you don't want to piss off the wrong people at our hotel. No. I'm, I'm keeping their name secret because I've got to keep the integrity from my boss, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want you to lose your job. Yeah. Um, there's another show that I watch. Uh, it's called Dexter. I was rewatching the last uh, disappointing season because there's a reboot that just came out. So I've called Dexter New Blood and it's been oh. a lot better so far. Right. I'm not sure if you've seen that show, Neville, but it features a, a character who a human who kills other humans. Uh, and they do they have a kind of established code where they yeah. also only kill bad guys. And the more that I hear about your lifestyle in Cuba and that you've kind of taken out bad guys, it feels like you've got kind of this, uh, you know, anti-hero vibe. Have you specifically started targeting people that you think are trouble? And do you try to leave the, the good people alone or am I drawing too much here? Well, I think you're giving me a lot of credit and I appreciate that. But uh, to be honest, I'd probably eat anyone if I was left for my own devices. Mm. So it's uh, recreational. Yeah. It's fun. It makes sure, you know, working for these guys, I, I, I'm able to uh, to eat the right people mm-hmm. as they decide. And uh, I really couldn't care less. Um I get a little less flack, a little less moving around town to town like I used to when uh, they'd uh, hear about uh, someone going missing and possibly someone seeing me uh, indulging in a, in a little child or something like that. And yeah. less rioting these days, you know? People get, people get pretty mad when when children get eaten in, um, in their towns, especially smaller towns where they all knew the person. I think it's quite overrated because the amount of trampling of my kind I've seen, uh, especially the young. Well, um, that's you know, true. Is a, I've seen lots of articles about really old trees. That's a good point. You know, the, the amount of trees that, that humans chop down is not even close to the amount of humans that I'm sure that you've uh, consumed in your lifetime. So the kill yeah. counts really... Uh, pretty lopsided when we look at it that way. Absolutely, uh, especially that. coming around at Christmas. I'm, oh, I'm not. No. I'm not related to and like oh. that's a whole different kind of tree. That but the ma- massacre, really. Absolutely, the Christmas massacre. Uh, yeah. Really, just it puts the holidays in a whole different perspective. I've never thought about such loss of life. They yeah. they really they dress up the corpse, you know, with all of those fancy lights and they put that star on the top. I mean, it's just insult to injury, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. The problem is problem with us, uh us man eating trees, like you don't know which of us is one of us until we're about 50, as I've said. Mm. And then we start to move around. 
So you don't know how many of them trees you just chop down before they reach their maturity. It's not right. When you were in your early stages, zero, like ages zero to 50, did you feel like you had kind of bonded with some nearby trees? You'd really grown up with them and maybe had some feelings for them. And and once you got up and walked around and kind of realized they were just ordinary trees, it did it, did it different, hurt? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll, there's definitely uh, some truth to the to the roots uh, reaching down, connecting to other trees' roots, and we have we have connections quite intimate, you know. Mm. Um, so I do. I miss those trees back from my younger days. Mm. We we felt quite deeply together, and we mm. enjoyed the same things. Uh, always had a good. Uh, uh, good party come uh, springtime. Oh yeah, <laughs> bursting of the uh, the leaves and stuff. Oh, it's nice. Yeah, we had a lot of lot of good times. Good times. So, yeah. yeah. Have I you guess... made any friends with the trees in Cuba? Yeah, they're they're a different breed. These guys. Oh, yeah. they're quite different. Yeah, they, they look probably quite a bit different than the trees around your uh, growth uh, spot. Yeah, some of them are, are nice when you get further into the island, but like the ones around the beach are quite, I don't know, they're just uppity and really into themselves. They've had a bit too much sun, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about sand? Oh, it's, it makes it harder for yeah. us. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, definitely... Uh, makes disguising myself close to the hotel harder yeah, yeah. it's hard yeah. to blend in when you're in an empty beach yeah and it gets in everywhere you know oh yeah i mean that's a that's a real human problem too huh. yeah uh, just one day at the beach when you're a human to sand in all your clothes it's in every bag you've brought it's in your hair every towel it doesn't matter how much you shake it out it just it comes into the house with you people really romanticize the beach but it's not my favorite spot. Yeah. And yeah, you're telling me I have to put those things in my mouth. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. I don't I don't generally like to put sand in my mouth. Great. Uh, the only people I know is uh, children. And I think they regret it shortly after. Mm. Um, this is a bit of a whimsical question for you, Neville. Uh, in my research, you know, there's a lot of uh, man-eating trees and plants and films. Uh, I'm not sure if you're up to date with some of those films. One of the films is called uh, Little Shop of Horrors, and it features a uh, singing plant. Mm. Are you a singer or much of a singer? Have you ever sang? Oh, I wouldn't call myself a singer. No, uh, there's a lot. There's a bit of raving goes on down here, but not many lyrics to that. I used to, I used to enjoy a good uh, like sea shanty. But okay. Problem with my long journey is I didn't have any crew members to sing along with after. Oh, after. Well, that makes kind of hard to do row, row, row your boat as a round if it's just you. But All it right. does make for some good uh, lyric writing. I think the the loneliness of uh, a nautical songwriting. Yes, I, I, I'd like to double back if I may to this uh, rave situation because mm. it does feel like you know if if it, let's say there's a rave going on at the beach in Cuba and these people are on drugs or they're not quite with it. It must make it kind of easy to blend in. 
you know, it's a moving tree, but all the trees are moving to them. I mean, you, you fit right in. Do you, do you like the music? Do you find that it's kind of a good incognito spot for you? Uh, yeah, look, yeah. Uh, I don't say I go down to these raves too often, but uh, I have partaked from time to time. Yeah, yeah. I just something about the beat really gets into gets into the roots. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a big that's a big English thing. I mean, that's a part of your culture. That's a part of where you come from. Rave the rave scene is pretty big over there. So is it? Oh, yeah. I haven't been back in years. Yeah. Yeah, I'm scared of I'm scared of the water these days. Don't wanna don't wanna lose any any other parts myself <laughs> yeah, well and there's probably far more boat traffic than there was when you because you said that you swam across the atlantic to escape the great war i'm, I'm assuming you mean world war one yeah but that's over a hundred years ago is that since you've been here so i'll tell you right now there are far more ships and much bigger ships in that ocean now so Neville. perhaps you're best to stay away there's yeah. also a possibility, Neville, that if you go back, you you might end up running into your wife, which it's been so long now. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, it's, uh, that's kind of, I mean, kind of the dream. It's kind of why I'm here. Get the word out where I'm at. See if Beatrice. What's your wife's name? We'll we'll put out an, uh, you know, to all our listeners, keep a, an eye out for her. Yeah, her name's Beatrice. Yeah. Beatrice. Beatrice. Yeah. Okay. And does she have any distinctive features um, that we could put on the, the side of a milk carton, for example? Um, she's a slow walker. Uh, mm-hmm. She's got a she's got a knot uh, about uh, about three inches above her, her left ear. Okay, that's nice and distinctive. Yeah. Well, how will we know which part is the ear? Oh, it looks like an ear, doesn't it? Oh well. <laughs> That's fair, fair enough. We'll find the 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 tree ear comparison. This is a, I feel like the ear that you've got is well, it's an ear, but it's a little bit different than my ear. It's uh, your ears are different. Our ears are pretty much the same. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at you. I've got my headphones on, but I'm gonna take them off for a second. You see, see these. Uh, ears? Oh, oh my God! What a lie! <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. So. Madrins are under under her. She's got headphones under there too. Like, look, there's just these. Oh of- my! Oh my God! Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I've got you guys here because I eat humans. See, I've seen some friggin' ears before. Who you uh, think yeah, I am? Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah these. I, I, these I, I right, should well, be amazed well, by your appearance of ears, but I'm just saying your ears are a lot more distinctive. I would have a little bit more difficulty trying to pin them down. Yeah, well, it really it does change depending on which tree we're talking about, and also mine have been I've been having a lot of birds kind of landing, and um and uh, nesting, and so yeah, they look a bit uh, they're a bit Ooh. little a little unkept. Do you yeah. ever get do you ever get bugs like uh, pests and gnats on you? Do you do you ever have to get debugged? Uh there are definitely a di- uh, some bugs some bugs for sure um i haven't had to i haven't had the termites myself that's good but uh Ooh. yeah that could be that could be real that bad that sounds like that could be really awful for trees to get a case of the termites yeah Please. absolutely and if i've been an ash oh god there's a big beetle taking down the ashes these days yeah Ooh. yeah I, even i think a mold could be could be bad news there's no um you know there's no dermatologist for for man-eating trees uh so i guess you'd have to kind of treat yourself i mean you're making some assumptions there fella 
you get oh. the right folk down here. We get oh. we got a lot of dentists, and uh, if they try any of them rave drugs, I can just ask for a little bit of cleaning and my teeth and stuff. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. I guess you make a lot of. Friends you sound down resourceful. There. I've had to be resourceful. I'm like three hundred years old by this point. Yeah, pretty pretty wise. Uh, your memory seems pretty good. Maybe better than our memory too. Yeah, it's all kept in the rings. Mm. Well, um, Neville, it was a real pleasure to meet you and to, to learn a little bit more about your man-eating tree culture. Um, is there anything that, that's inspiring you or anything that you'd like to tell us about to our listeners at home? Uh, obviously, yeah. it's a shout out for, for your wife uh, that we hope to track down. But anything else that you've been uh, interested by recently? Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, just one last call, Beatrice. If you're out there, Cuba, come see me. Uh, just uh, ask around for the uh, the Elephant Man bartender. You'll find mm. me. Other other than that, uh, I guess you could follow. Uh, there's a uh, a wonderful fellow I like to follow on Instagram. Uh, his name's Gordon Harper. Uh, you can follow him or uh, check out uh, a new. Oh, there's this new trailer for uh, HBO show that's coming out called uh station 11 that mm. show looks great so mm -hmm. if you guys yeah based off a pretty great book too mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm really looking of... forward to it yeah mm -hmm. yeah check that out yeah oh i'm sure that we will imagine is there anything that you'd like to say to our listeners at home before we uh anything you'd like to pitch nothing that i can think of in all honesty <laughs> great i'm gonna pitch that you should have plants during the winter time. They're great for oxygen. Uh, they're great for making conversation as we've learned today um, from our, our new friend, Neville, if I may be so bold to say yeah. that we've got a, a friend I, in you now. And, absolutely. Um, yeah, and uh, we really hope that the reach of this podcast will expand. The more people that kind of rate and review the podcast, the closer Neville will be to finding his long lost wife. So just think, when you click five stars and only five stars, will you be able to help track down Neville's wife? And that's really the type of work that we want to do here on Monstrology. Please help me out. Perfect. All right. Well, it's been a great week. Neville, thank you for coming. We'll see you on the next episode of Monstrology.